ride again. What's up, dog? How you doing? Good, man. Good. How are you? Another cutoff today, dude. We're getting we're getting into it. It's fucking this, this is just not even a cutoff. This is a straight up. What do you call it? Is it a tank? That's I don't know. Tank. I don't know. Yeah, that's like yeah. that's like a gym. That's a gym bro like meathead tank for sure. Who is that? In gutturalment cephaloslamectomy. Damn. Damn. It's like I need to up, upgrade my tank game. That's a no, I think this is like, it looks like Spicoli from Fast Times at Ridgemont High with like a fucking scissor stuck in it. I can't tell exactly what's going on with this shirt, but the slams are vile and that's what slams matters. Vile. That's, that is all we need in this life. Yes. Speaking of vile slams, we're just oh, vile shit. fucking music. Dude, today oh, we're talking shit. to Zach Simmons, the drummer from Goat Whore. Goat Whore is cool because they're all about Satan, and I'm down with that. So am I. They practice what they preach. I feel like Sammy's a real motherfucker. You know I, I feel mean? like Sammy is, too. I feel like with that, he's got that acid bath blood flowing through him, you know? Like, those motherfuckers fuck around in graveyards and, and, and do conjuring and shit. Like, I'm just kidding. He's probably, like, just a dude, like a chill dude who, like, Likes etouffee down in the bayou. <laughs> that was a good one. That was, that was a good impression. Uh, I feel like it's a mixture of both. I just listened to him not too long. Sometimes I listen to Jamie Josta's podcast. Um, yeah. I forget what it's even called. I think it's just the Josta show. But he was on there. And like they were talking about some like Satanism shit. And he was like, yeah, I don't really want to talk about it and stuff. You know, I feel like he does some, I feel like he does some real shit based on that response. Yeah. Maybe it's you know that's his that's his prerogative if that's what he wants to do. Um, free I, country, man. I say let's go. Would it I make me like the music more? It makes Goat Horse music more legit to me. You know, they're not yeah. just like trying to be offensive. They feel they feel it. The authentic experience. What's do you have a do you have a favorite Goat Horse song? My favorite Goat Horse song is Alchemy of the Black Sun Cult. That is the that is the song that starts all of my goat whore compilations. That is it's such a good fucking song. <laughs> it's one of the most it's one of the most catchy extreme metal songs I think of all time. It is incredibly catchy. It is one hell of a show starter. Yeah. Um. I, I, yeah, dude, I love that song. Love that record too. Carving out the eyes of God as as a whole might be my favorite goat whore record, though. Yeah. I will have to say it's a good, it's a good happy middle ground of their new stuff and early stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. I, honestly, I'm a little more of a fan of the newer stuff. Like I think blood for the master is probably my favorite. Um, oh, really? Interesting. Every oh. single fucking song on there is catchy as shit. And that record came out at a time when I was like rediscovering a lot of heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, Goat, Whore, Goat Whore in particular. Cause I'd been, the, the same the same CD book that I have in my car that's been in every car I've owned since like 2001 has had a goat horse sticker on it since like 2004. Um, and I, you know, listened to them a lot when I worked at a record store back in Little Rock and was a, a big fan of that shit. I love Soylent Green. I loved a lot of the, yeah. the, the Nola stuff. Um, well, Soylent Green's fucking insane, dude. Yeah, dude, Soylent Green's crazy. I would love it for that to be a thing again. But if if no Soylent Green means we get steady Goat Whore, I'm down with that. But uh, Goat Whore hasn't put out a record in like five years, right? I think 2017 was the last one. But if I'm not mistaken, they are sitting on one right now. Maybe we'll find right. out when we talk to Zach today. Maybe we will find out. Do you know... I um where Zach fits in in the uh, in the timeline for Goat Whore. I probably should have looked this up before. I don't know how long he's been their drummer. Came on for like the third record. I would have to yeah. check and make sh make sure as well. Um, let's see, I think he came on board. Yeah, he came on board for A Haunting Curse. He says he's been with the band since 2004, played on A Haunting Curse was his first one. That was 2006 and Got it. Yeah. So that yes, that was and that was their third record. So yeah, I'm correct. Yeah. So that that album kind of I, I feel like that marks a, a real change in sound for them. Their first two were a lot more black metal and then yeah. Curse and Carving Out the Eyes of God. You hear more of the death metal kind of creep in. 
Haunting Curse is definitely the turning point record in the yeah, Gabor discography for me. And I don't think you're going to find too many people who would argue with that either. I think that there was a, a pretty big leap between the first two records. Um, Funeral Dirge for the Rotting Sun had like some a little bit tighter song structures. And it was a little bit I, I feel like they were throwing a little bit more thrash into it on that record. But Haunting Curse is when everything really sort of when the goat whore that we know today uh, yeah. really came together. I Definitely. Think. So that'd be cool to talk to him about that, you know, like how much <laughs> of an influence that he had on that. And you know what? Let's just fucking ask him right now because he's knocking at the door at the Crips of Eternity. Keep that motherfucker in here. And Zach Simmons. He's connecting. He's a Z. We're both named Zach, so that's good. And their drummer before him is also named Zach, so that's also good. It'd be complicated for me because I don't know. I'm going to call you the Crypt Keeper, and I'm going to call yeah. him Zach. That's, that's what we should do. Connecting to audio. We're going to get some video. Are we going to get to see that smiling face? Zach, can you hear us, brother? Hello. 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 There he is. What's, What's up? You? What's, What's up, going man? on, man? What's happening? Thanks for being here, brother. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. It's an honor. So I'm Zach. I'm the one you've been talking to from uh, yeah, Death yeah. And um, I'm, uh, I'm Schuler from, from Death Metal Radio. It is, it is absolutely a pleasure to have you on today, dude. My pleasure's all mine. So, How's it going? It's good. It's kind of a uh, funny story. How? Well, not really that that much of a story, but my best friend's dad and your dad are friends, and that's how I got in contact. <laughs> that's what I heard, man. And yeah, my uh, <clears throat> world. I didn't know that. My dad had told me, uh, yeah, some guy from Pittsburgh. Uh, his son's really into metal. knows knows your band. knows Odor and his podcast and I looked up the podcast. Oh shit. I've listened to this before. Awesome. Oh dude, that's so cool, hey, man. That's fucking awesome. Random. Yeah. It's so, it's so weird how, uh, how things come together. So where, where are you from originally? I'm from Phoenix, Arizona. Okay. Is it, and, uh, what's that right now? Yeah. I'm uh, hanging out here, visiting some family, but, uh, from Phoenix grew up here and, uh, <clears throat> moved into New Orleans when I, joined the goat whore about what 16 years ago 17 years fucking crazy wow man uh, it's been a while that was that was 2004 if i'm not mistaken that you, <clears throat> that you joined goat whore yeah i think it was uh may of 2004 i think the first show that uh <clears throat> i did with them it was a benefit show for scott williams the old bass player for soul and green he uh, passed away unfortunately in a really horrible accident not an accident but a horrible situation so it was a benefit show for him and so I think it was uh Soul and Green had a lot in Godor so Ben was doing double duty and then uh I think I forget who else was on it but yeah it was that was my first gig with, with them back in 2004. Pretty uh, crazy man it had to have been like a that's jumping straight into the fire right? Um, yeah man <laughs> but of course, you know, they, one of the things that we were talking about before we got you on is that they were, they were very much a different band on those first two records, I think. And then I think, you know, you come aboard in 2004, Haunting Curse comes out in 2006. And then that is really what we consider to be sort of a turning point that, that's, that's more of the goat whore that we hear today, right? Right, right. Um, what, what was it like coming to the band for you, you know, two albums deep? Um, what was the process back then for putting music together and sort of changed since you've been in the band? I think, uh, first of all, like, before joining the band, I was such a huge fan of those first two records. I was, and uh, I mean, I love just the progression from the first album to the second album. I, and the second album was a little dirgier, had a little slower, yeah. had kind of opened up some new, newer sounds, you know? for the band and uh and once i joined <clears throat> i don't know i was 17 years old man so i was just like so stoked to be in one of my favorite bands you get to play with them and actually get to write and be a part of creating new music with them another time you know just being full so full of that fire and excitement and also kind of i guess um 
I guess we all just, maybe it was just like I created a new energy for all of us. And, and I think Haunting Curse going into that, we were just really hell bent on up in the speed and intensity of the whole thing. And I was, you know, like I said, a young kid just stoked being in the band. And, you know, I was listening to all sorts of other death metal and kind of into the whole uh, drumming Olympics speed competition bullshit. <laughs> so I just wanted to kind of make a statement. We all wanted to make a statement. It was also Goat Horse's first album for Metal Blade. So as, as you mentioned, like the turning point was kind of, you know, it opened us up to a whole new realm of fans and yeah. a lot of a lot of fans can't that kind of started with us from a haunting curse on you know they either you know don't care to find the first two records or can't find them or just know us because you know um you know started getting some um attention from like headbangers ball there's a couple of videos from a haunting curse that were played on headbangers ball and whatever that fuse metal show was back then and so yeah, it was kind of like, yeah, a definite turning point. And it was almost like a second beginning for the band, I guess, for a lot of people, like just finding out about the band, you know? Yeah, for sure. You guys definitely, like that was around the time that the, the profile got elevated. You guys started getting on national tours and making a name for yourself and sort of, like I came into Goat Horror as a Soylent Green fan. And right. so I've I feel like a lot of there, there was a point where Goat Horse started to sort of overshadow Soylent Green. And then you guys have obviously had amazing longevity with your career since then. Um, I didn't know that you were 17 fucking years old when you joined that <laughs> band, dude. That's incredible. Um, yeah. One of the things that I did want to ask you about is like listening to your drumming. Um, there's obviously a whole influence going on, but I wanted to know how much punk you listened to growing up, because I do feel like there's a lot of D beat, um, a lot of sort of discharge influence in there. And that's one of the, one of the things that I like about Goat Horror is just how much that band, the whole sound pulls from all over the place. You've got like yeah. black metal elements, punk elements, death metal elements, there's thrash fucking all over the place. Um, I, I'm curious, like sort of what your musical background was growing up uh that that sort of influenced the way that you brought that drum sound to the band i think in terms of the kind of punkier d-beat stuff um of course things in the more death metal black metal realm it's just kind of like that the dirtier black metal with you know the d-beat and then obviously just knowing that's a uh trait of goat horn is having that fast skank beat kind of the grind you know influence in there as well but as far as um, my style, I used to, and I still listen to a, a lot of fucking Motorhead, man. And Hell yeah. That just kind of, it's part of me, man. I mean, you can't escape it. And Mickey D is one of my favorite drummers. And just yeah. holding down that solid kind of rock swinging groove is kind of just a part of, of my DNA as a drummer. And then it fits so well with, you know, the riff Sammy writes. Yeah, dude, that makes so much sense, man. Knowing that how big of a Motorhead fan you are now, like makes me hear Motorhead, I mean, makes me hear Goat Whore differently. Like you can totally, <laughs> yeah. like, you know, because dude, Motorhead, Motorhead's so metal, but they're so punk, but they're so rock and roll. It's like yeah, yeah, Goat Whore's so death metal, but so black metal at the same time. It's, that's it's more funny. of an attitude thing. And yeah, <clears throat> sure. it's funny on, uh, I'm not going to tell you which song, but there was a song, on blood for the master that we had written and you know it, it came together and it was just like the motorhead type song or whatever and it's funny because it something we were writing and it sounded like something there's this one specific part that was like man it's just, it feels so right but it sounds so like familiar and you know when like something seeps into your subconscious so much and then <laughs> It was like way after we the album had even come out, I was just listening to a random Motorhead record. I'm not going to tell you which one. The song comes on like, holy shit, we totally just, it's like one note off. And it wasn't intentional to yeah. like rip off this little like bridge part, but it's so like, it's so obvious. And we didn't do it on purpose, but it's just like that subconscious thing is like, wow. <laughs> totally but yeah, well, that's like, 
one of the things that I think is is interesting about this kind of music, right, is that there are there are certain parameters that chord progressions and the drum styles and things like that tend to stay around. And of course, we do get outside of that. Metal is a very versatile genre, but at the same time, a lot of this stuff tends to recur, you know. Right. Um, and so it's always it's always fun when you're creating something. I I consider it fun. Some people might not consider it that fun, but like. I love when you're creating something and you have that moment where you wonder whether or not it's yours or you're, or you're pulling it from somewhere else. Um, because that to me is just mu that much more of a connection with the stuff that you've, that you've absorbed, right? Yeah, totally. It's really easy to look at something that's already been put out um, as, as a record that's there and it has its identity and it's, it's over there. Right. And we're creating stuff over here, but like, it's, that's not the case, right? You, yeah. you absorb, you absorb this shit. Um, and then it becomes part of your creative process. And so there's going to be a little bit of motorhead in everything that you do. There's going to be a little bit of like fucking, you know, all the other you guys listen to, like that's going to filter into your sound. And so, yeah, of course, and you, and you, and you do that without thinking about it. And that, yeah, yeah. that, that's pretty tight, man. I like to call it like a, I mean, within Goat Horror, we have like a vocabulary of different, you know, things. Like as far as drums go, there's like a vocabulary of drum beats that fit within the realm of Goat Horror. And, you know, you can stray a little, you know, you can stray from that and add to it. But at the core of it, it's what it is. And kind of using that vocabulary to, you know, still stay within the realm, but do little things to spice it up, I guess. But yeah, but the influences always creep in and they'll always be there because they're a part of your vocabulary, you know? So you, you live, you're, you live in New Orleans, but you're, you're in Phoenix right now, just visiting family. Uh, currently I'm kind of living in, in Phoenix right now. Just, okay. just okay. wait, waiting this whole thing out and seeing what happens. But uh, yeah, I, I moved back from New Orleans a couple couple months ago after we finished writing the record new record that's and that's kind of so that's where i'm going with this like you you're you're a part of the writing process um when things are getting thrown around like how do you guys come together to write a record is it like a jam room kind of situation um what's how's it how's that go oh it's 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 easier nowadays but the first probably three or four records <clears throat> sammy and i would get together in the jam room and with this little jam box and he had just cassette tapes full of full, full of riffs, you know, and we just sit and pick one out like, man, that sounds like a great, you know, intro riff. And we'd build from there, you know? So it was more of a time consuming process, but, but nowadays, you know, with people living in different States and stuff and, you know, technically the way it is, <clears throat> Samuel get a core idea kind of thrown together in his, you know, uh, recording software and then, email it off to everybody and then we'll pick a set aside like a two week period or whatever. And I'll come into town or if I, if I was living there, we'd be working pretty much every day, but that way, you know, you already have like a, a set um, objective to try to tackle. So it's like, all right, he has these four pretty fleshed out ideas. So let's just hammer those out in the four weeks and then kind of leave it alone for a while. Let it sit. And then, you know, it's kind of a more efficient way to work to, instead of going through cassette tapes and like second guessing yourself and in the moment, you know. So what, uh, what was the writing process for the, the upcoming record like? I want to hear more. We're, we're going to talk more about that here in a minute. But did that sort of come together any different because of COVID? Uh, had you already moved when you guys started, when you guys recorded that or how? I was still living there. Well, we have been writing it like because we, we basically never stopped writing, I guess, or Sammy especially. So like we finished recording the last record and we start touring, but, you know, we'll have little breaks from a tour and then he'll keep coming up with ideas and him and I'll keep working on songs and just so we don't get like, you know, just, just try to stay ahead of the game. And plus it's fun for us to always be creative. But it was pretty much the same for this one, just more time consuming, just with the COVID thing, which was kind of nice because we used the time to our advantage and just really uh, worked on the arrangements and made sure we were happy with the songs. And we 
fucking there was a point where it's like damn we have it was like 18 songs we had written <clears throat> like pretty full like complete songs yeah so we kind of skipped before we went in the studio we kind of scaled that back into 15 and then we're like all right well we're only gonna put 10 on the record so let's go into the studio do these 12 we'll have two extra for whatever else if something comes up but and just pick the best 10 for the record that fit together solid where'd you guys record this time did you did you get jared again or did you uh go what how'd that go oh yeah jared uh engineered and recorded everything we went to the studio uh studio in the country it's in bogalusa louisiana about 45 minutes to an hour north of new orleans and it's out in the middle yeah it's just out in the middle of the woods man and so so kansas recorded uh, i mean carry on my wayward son there they did like four records there oh, uh, cinderella um dr john like it's legendary place man like all the gold records on the wall marilyn manson did a bunch of stuff yeah. um but there's a house on the property too like a four-bedroom house so it's you live there and then just, so it's just like the best creative or working environment you know what i mean just to no distractions i think the only time we'd leave, like once a week, we'd make a grocery run and go buy food and stuff. But other than that, we were just in the studio. It was awesome. And, and you walk into that place, <clears throat> it's like you're stepping back in time, man. It's just like the all the decor and the carpet, just like you're in the 70s, you know? It's cool. Very comfortable. And yeah, Jarrett was with us again, so it was just everything was just it was just very comfortable it was a good situation sweet man i was just in new orleans like a month ago oh cool i love i love it there man i can imagine like the whole atmosphere just like is like a part of your writing process you know like the whole new orleans sludge scene me and Troller are such big fans of that you can just feel that there like it has such a such a vibe like how important yeah, yeah. is that to like your guys <clears throat> whole thing um, I mean, probably subconsciously, it has a yeah, lot to do bad. with it. And then, I mean, back in the, um, early, like back years ago, this place we used to practice, everybody used to practice there. So on the eighth floor, this place called Fountain Blue, it's a big, uh, like half of it's the first four floors are storage units. And then the top four floors are band rehearsal rooms. So on the eighth floor was, we had a room for like uh, 14 years up there. And on a Friday night, we'd be jamming. The next door to us for a while was Crowbar. <clears throat> yeah. And then down the hall was I, God. And then St. Vitus would rehearse there if they were getting ready for a show. And then High and Fire would rehearse there sometimes. Holy shit, Because Des was there. So on a Friday night, you just see all your friends and hear all this, you know, different music coming out of there. And yeah, the whole atmosphere of the, the city, too, just even yards just like the thick air you know and everything just moves slower and it's hot and there's yeah the music know, so. makes better sense when you're there i feel like yeah totally yeah. it is a hot motherfucker in new orleans so i like i grew up i grew up in south arkansas just a few miles from the louisiana border cool um and the the, the weather is definitely uh it's like being inside of a crock pot in the sun uh, yeah oh, <laughs> One of the things that I'm that I'm curious about, especially knowing how young you were when you joined the band, what was the culture shock like moving from Phoenix to New Orleans? Like that, there had to be some stuff that changed about your everyday life. You know, being part of the band, of course, but also just those are very different places, like culturally. How how was that transition for you? I'm totally right about that. Um, the biggest thing, I guess, would be on. <clears throat> um, down there, everything's much more like set. The whole city is just set in its way. You know what I mean? And <laughs> yes, yeah, I do. Southern culture, like I never heard the you know racial slurs thrown around. Just at, you know, but like an old grandmother, you know. But that's the yeah. way she was raised. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it that was it's, that was the weirdest thing for me. 
It's definitely very different. Like that's, it's, you know, I'm in, I'm in South Carolina now. Um, but at the, at the university where I am, I have a number of, of friends who come from like, I have a friend from Maine. I have a friend who came two friends from, who came from Colorado. And there, there are a lot of things about the South that are, you know, specifically regarding what you're talking about that are quite a shock uh, for a yeah, lot of yeah. people who come here for the, for the first time. And I think that that's one of that you sort of learn to, I, I don't know. It, 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 it never really sits right with you. Um, but you're right. You're, you're dealing with a group of people who come from a different time and just don't necessarily understand. And right. You can talk to them about it. You can try to be proactive about it. And I feel like that's the best approach that you can take. And there's, there's a number of other aspects of, of like Southern culture. I think that 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 would be surprising to somebody who is from you know a more modern part of the country like yeah. phoenix or colorado or someplace like that um did any of the food jump out at you like was there anything did you try like fucking etouffee for the first time and get your dick blown off like how was it <laughs> well dude at first like i was <clears throat> not really into seafood when i came down there oh, I, was man. Like, oh. I was like what the fuck is this and not into it, man. I'm like, I'm not going to suck the head of that thing. Like crawfish. <laughs> I'm like, not into it. It's fucking gross. But dude, over time, you know, I'm like, oh, I guess soft crab. Yeah. You know, I'm like, I ain't eating that spider looking fucking thing. Fuck that. <laughs> but over you time, you know. Yeah, well, yeah, it's great. It turns yeah. out to be good. And a lot yeah, of that oysters shit. Are, oysters yeah. at first, man. It was like a no-go for me. But now yeah. I love all that stuff. Yeah, they, yeah, they like, ruined oysters for me going down there. They're so fucking good. Coming up here, yeah. I won't even touch them. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> they're, yeah, yeah. they're a whole other level. It's a real thing. Yeah, I, I saved my my seafood. Uh, yeah, just like you said, man, when I come back to Arizona, you're not going to get anything like you can get down there. So when I go down there, we go all out and so what, know what all the good places to go. That's sick. So what, what does goat whore like do for fun? in new orleans i can just like see you and sammy and ben like it's some real cool dive bar just like hanging out and talking about satanism and music is that true <laughs> um yeah i mean definitely used to sammy and i mainly used to go tear up the town quite a bit we yeah to practice friday saturday night we'd go see a show or watch our friend's band play or and then just go out until stay out till 6 a.m or something good i th thank you for confirming that I, I love that you guys have fun you sam i mean sammy especially de definitely gives off that vibe that he's a, just a ton of fun yeah i mean i think it's it's pr pretty much no secret to anybody who knows the band that we definitely like to have fun and <laughs> yeah good. i mean back years ago probably a little too much but I mean, that's one of the things that you sort of adjust to as you go through your career, right? You, you realize that some of that shit kind of checks you a little bit harder as you get a little bit older and you just oh, yeah, learn to yeah. roll with that. Um, and I can only assume that probably like the, the best venue for the, the taking things, you know, maybe slightly to excess, but at least to, to someplace really fun would be road. Um, oh, totally. When was the last time that you guys were on tour? How long has it been since y'all have been out? And the last show we actually played was December of 2019 in San Francisco. And after that, it was kind of the last show of the cycle, I guess, if you want to call it that, for Vengeful Ascension. And then we basically just kind of went on hiatus after that. And just we kind of, uh, we kind of dissolved our practice room situation and all kind of went our separate ways for a while just to kind of give each, give, give each other a break from each other and <clears throat> just kind of work some stuff out internally before we got back together. And then kind of COVID hit right after that. And I guess I don't want to say it was convenient, but we were already kind of playing on taking that time off. Yeah. So there wasn't any, any real pressure feeling like we were missing a huge step or anything so we kind of took our time to write keep writing the record and once the record was pretty much all written we did that live stream show yeah yeah in january this year just to kind of do something you know and that was fun because we didn't really know what to expect but we wanted to do like a proper thing and like really do like a really long set list and yeah we kind of 
pick some songs that we've never done live or haven't done in a long time. So it, it was, was fun. Oh, yeah. Was that was one of the things that uh, one of the things that jumped out at me about the live set that you guys did was how fucking massive it was. Um, <laughs> it's like 20 something songs or something like that. How did like you? 23 songs, yeah. Yeah. How did you guys go about picking that set? And also, you know, Goat Horse got a, a, a pretty decent amount of material put out so far. Like, how did you guys go about picking that set? But how do you also go about picking that set um, for just a regular show when you're on regular tour? Like, what, what do you guys make sure that you keep in there? What do you like to fucking, what surprises do you like to pull? Uh, for the live stream, we kind of used, like, the, we kind of had an old set list from the, last tour we did whenever that was laying around so we kind of use that as like a skeleton like all right well let's keep these core songs just like the kind of mainstay ones you know yeah sure and then we just kind of added to it and we're like oh it'd be cool if we did this this so we had time to a lot of time to rehearse for it so um but when it comes to a tour picking a set list it, it gets more and more challenging with each new record we put out and then also like for the live stream um i guess there was some legal stuff we couldn't do anything off the first two records okay like metal blade material so that was i mean i love playing stuff off the first two and i know a lot of people were bummed out that we didn't play anything off of those two and we were thinking about maybe doing another live stream or maybe since now we can play shows doing a couple shows maybe in new orleans that are just exclusively off the first two records which would be cool that'd be, that'd be cool awesome. fuck. Yeah, yeah yeah i agree man that that'd be that'd be fun to do like half a you know eclipse of ages and then half a funeral dirge or something i think oh, people would love that sweet so but what's the way um, we're in I said, I said either way we're in and yeah, no live go for we're 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 a hundred percent for no matter what happens. Absolutely, yeah. Oh, yeah, awesome. So you guys have got an album in the tank right now. Um, is there any kind of you know we we've we've gotten to where we've been doing this podcast for a little over a year now, and the majority of that time has been us like talking to musicians about like oh wasn't it great when you could tour, but like now we're getting back into actually being able to firm up the possibility of fucking going on tour. Do you guys yep. have any sort of timeline in place for the album release for getting on the road, anything like that that you that you can talk about? Obviously, no, don't say anything you're not supposed to. Yeah, we've got. Um, <clears throat> well, I know the album is going to be <clears throat> released the first first quarter of next year. Okay, cool. So some sometime within that um, time frame, and then as far as live shows, we've got some stuff in Texas booked for August. We're doing a five show run in Texas with two other really killer bands. I'm not going to say who, because it's the shows aren't announced yet. Yeah. And then some stuff possibly in September and then filling out the rest of the year, just kind of still testing the waters, just doing kind of <clears throat> small little jaunts, you know? Yeah. And then um, next year, I think April, May, we have a full, uh, European tour confirmed, but not announced yet. So, so it's looking good. Guys, it's cool. Yeah, to you see guys are, forth. yeah, you guys are gonna say you guys are getting moving. Then that's good, man. It's good to have it's good to have stuff back on the books. And and like you said, you know, with with the doing smaller jaunts and everything like that, I think it's probably smart because there's really only so much that you can that you can commit to, right? We have no yeah. idea if things are going to start shutting back down again, but you know, so many people are getting the vaccine. So many places are starting to lift restrictions. I know Texas is fucking the wild West at this point. I think you yeah, can do anything yeah. anywhere there by now. So by August, I would think that it would probably be, you know, still relaxed the way it is, but also a lot safer. Hopefully more people have had the vaccine and things like that. Yeah. I would think so too. And I, I just think right now it's two or I see some tours, full U S tours being booked. And I just think the, logistics of that are kind of sketchy just going because each town and state has their own restrictions and i really personally wouldn't want to risk you know you don't want to be stuck out you know and get five shows canceled when you're like you know two thousand miles away from home fuck that yeah (laughs) that is not what you want at all um so what else what else do you do to fill your time man do you have any other projects like i know 
I know that you did, um, and obviously this isn't like a full-time project, but I was surprised when I heard that you did the uh, the one live set of drums on a Fluids track. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. That shit fucking ruled. Uh, <laughs> do you have any other projects that you're involved in? Like, are you a big Gorgrind fan? Or are you into playing other shit like that? Oh, Fluids, actually. Um, I went to high school with Jan, uh, yeah. the guitar oh, okay, player. Cool main dude um fluids but uh yeah so him and i i was in my first band ever with him we oh really my first shows ever uh with him back in the day and we're still great friends and well maybe you can tell him to fucking get on the podcast at, an, at a decent time because like we we've <laughs> we keep on trying to get him on here and he's like i can get on at midnight <laughs> <laughs> midnight arizona time and we're like bro we're fucking old we can't yeah, be doing yeah. that shit all right i'll bust his balls for you man yeah please do please do um so what else are you what other projects are you involved in um or are you involved in anything do you have anything going on currently nothing yeah um there's been a couple opportunities that have come up but um just haven't really worked out logistically and timing wise and yeah. so right now i'm just kind of you know just doing the go tour full on, you know, back in the, uh, years ago, I was, a, I was playing for Noctmistium, mainly just helping them out as a touring drummer. And then I yeah, recorded sure. one EP with them. And then that went on to, uh, some of those guys, we did a project called doomsday, which is kind of like a crusty punk death metal kind of thing. And then, you know, I, I filled on, on the tour with Wolfhammer, things like that. That, but Dodor is really my main focus. Oh, for sure, yeah. But I, I wasn't sure if you had like any other projects that you had, you know, like on the on the side. But then again, you know, it's kind of. I guess it's got to be difficult to do that right now, anyway, just because yeah, everybody's yeah. so isolated. Yeah, it's kind of. You know, I'm not in a, in a rush to. Um, I don't know. I, I'm just gonna say Dodor is my main priority right now, and. Yeah, for sure. And that's, I, it's, I think that's particularly exciting given that it's been, it's been like three years since you guys put the record out, I think, in Vengeful Ascension 2017, four years. Yeah, almost, yeah, almost four years. Yeah. So yeah. it's been a while. Um, and for a, a, a band like y'all, um, it's, it, you know, everybody's excited to hear from you again. So it's cool to see that that is your, that's your full focus moving forward for the time being. I agree, man. I, I, I'm just glad it's still happening and I'm, I'm yeah, glad things sure. are, you know, start slowly and slowly getting better with the whole uh, world situation, health situation. Yeah, no shit. So what, um, one of the things that I, I, I saw pop up in my feed, it's been a while. I can't remember how long ago it was, but are you, are you sponsored by a beard company? Do you have like a, do you have like, do you have something going on with the, with the beard product? Cause I gotta say, that's a good looking fucking beard, my dude. What's, you, uh, what's the secret? Yeah. What goes into it? The beard is sponsored by hardcore grooming products. They make some, uh, very, uh, um, nice beards and beard balms. Sick. I actually found out, found out about them through Sammy. Um, I was over there, we were working on some tunes and like arranging a song on his computer or something. And yeah. he's like, man, I just shaved my beard off and this company sent me a bunch of stuff. So he gave me some their beard, beard oil and uh, like balm or whatever. And then yeah. I got in contact with him and like, like here you go. I'm like, cool. <laughs> that's fucking cool man like when yeah. it, we keep trying to uh you know half half joking but also half seriously we keep trying to get like fucking waterloo or oh, somebody dude. to sponsor us this is the shit right here shit's yeah. good, man. are you a waterloo fan i'm more of a topo chico guy but waterloo is pretty fucking good yeah, but i feel you like as well i feel like we're that much closer now yeah, so man. like one of the we, we like to fuck around with like goofy potential sponsors like there's this brand of fiber that i use that i really love i'll do anything for those motherfuckers fiber. I don't give a fuck. do you have like um do you have like some bizarre company that you would want to sponsor you if you got the chance to maybe not bizarre but maybe th something people wouldn't expect like not a drum company or something like that but like yeah yeah a water company we will and topo chico endorsement if we ever tried topo chico the, the sparkling water yeah no. i mean 
that would probably be the top of my list, man. Is that, that um, we're going to work is, on that for you. Is that oh, something right. out West? Cause I've never even heard of it before. Yeah. It's mainly, I mainly see it out West and then close to the, uh, I guess, border. I think it's a Mexican um, sparkling mineral, mineral water. Okay. They also just released like a, uh, that's an alcoholic seltzer. I haven't tried it, but kind of like trying to compete with white claw or whatever, but I'm sure it's fucking good if it's Topo, man. <laughs> well, maybe if they're listening, we can fucking get uh, grease the wheels and get some oh, fucking yeah. get some Topo cheek. Like see at a goat horse show, it'd be like IP where they're spraying fucking Fago everywhere, but you motherfuckers are up there with two liters of Topo Chico spraying yeah. that shit all over people. I'd that would be dope it, as fuck. Sort of. And it comes in a glass bottle, so, you know, looks cooler. It looks like you're drinking a beer, but you're not. <laughs> Other than uh, playing drums, man, what do you do for, like, for uh, physical activity and, like, exercise to stay in shape? Um, I go to the gym probably five, six days a week. Just kind of rotate through, <clears throat> just do some weight training. And then uh, I've been really into cycling. Oh, and good. Dude. That's fucking badass. So I, just, I just got, like, a, a hybrid road bike, and I've – I do like 10 to 15 miles, probably four to five days a week, you know, just to keep the cardio in check. And that really helps, you know, I mean, between doing some weight stuff and getting some cardio and it helps with drumming, of course, you know. Yeah, man, you need that endurance, especially for the kind of music you play, man, for sure. Yeah, it's just, if you're in the habit of doing that, I guess it's just, it makes everything else just much more effortless and it's, yeah, it's just a, especially like this past year, just working out and staying active has been really good mentally. Yeah. And <laughs> I could really, of course, it's going to have physical benefits, but I think just the discipline and, and doing it, I mean, the side effect, side effect of discipline is, you know, you're going to, there's nothing bad that can, can come from that, I think. Oh, dude. Thank you for saying that because that, that's one of our missions with this podcast and my brand is to spread health and wellness in the heavy metal community, brother. So cool. Yeah, if you'd yeah, like to be awesome. sponsored by Death Comes Lifting, I'm going to send you some a few shirts after this. Dude, yeah, that'd be great. Fuck yeah, brother. It's awesome. One of the things I'm and I'm going to keep coming back to the to the uh, different locations thing because I've spent some time out in Phoenix as well um, and, and being from sort of a, a New Orleans type climate. Um, one of the things that I noticed going out there, the last time I was there was in 2012, and um, I went on just a regular run, and I, I can't remember what the name of the road was, but it was this big fucking straight road, like everything's straight out there, but it yeah, was like, yeah. I went through like Chandler into Mesa or something like that, um, and the fucking lack of humidity was amazing. And then I, yes, and I got back to Arkansas, and only after being out in Phoenix for a couple of weeks, I was like, damn, trying to fucking run in this humidity is killing me. Yeah. Was that a big difference for you? Like, were you relatively active when you were living in Louisiana or? I was too, mate. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I would do pretty much the same thing I do here, you know, and in New Orleans, there's a, on the, the levee has like a paved path on yeah. top of the levee. So you can take that and you can ride all the way to downtown on the levee if you wanted. So I, I do that, but yeah, the is a huge difference, and the, the amount you sweat it just draws the moisture out of you, man. Like it could be a hundred some degrees in, in Phoenix, but the the dry heat, man, it doesn't. It's still hot, but you can go under a tree and be in the shade, and it won't. You'll feel cooled off, but in yeah. in New Orleans, you go that humidity is just everywhere. You know, it's. Every, it's inescapable you can't yeah. fucking get away from it man yeah totally but the, yeah the dry thing out here even like when i go to sleep i turn a humidifier on because sometimes you wake up and you just feel so dried out and your nasal passages or you're just hacking up all this weird shit so it's good to keep like a humidifier to keep things moving around i guess absolutely yeah and like I'm going to come back to that. Let me think of a way to phrase it. Um, <laughs> it's important. Yeah, I want to make sure everything comes out the right way. <laughs> um, so back to, back to Goat Whore, right? 
One of the things that I noticed about the last record about Vengeful Ascension is that everything felt a lot more geared towards a live setting. Was that intentional? And is that something that you feel like carried carried over to the creation of the new record? Like all the songs on there feel like fucking live bangers, man. I think you guys can yeah. play that record all the way through live and yeah. have it be a hell of a set. Um, is that what, what what role does that play in the writing that you guys did for the most recent one? And was that something conscious that you did for that record? That was definitely a conscious thing we wanted to achieve with the last record. And that's the main re reason we uh, decided to bring Jarrett with us, Jarrett Pritchard in the studio with us. Cause normally he's a live engineer, but he's also great in the studio and he's a wizard with anything audio. So um, going with him in the studio, we did the, that last record to tape. So yeah. it, all analog. So yeah. I think the combination of having your live engineer and then going to tape, recording to tape when there's less room for fuckery. Not that we yeah. would ever go too far with fuckery anyways with Pro Tools or whatever. Yeah. But it just kind of commands a certain, um, there's some constraints there sure. that you're going to get, a, the end products is going to be different in some way. It, it's hard to explain because it's maybe not noticeable to everybody. But when you do a record to tape, there's it's just like there's a certain honesty and rawness to it. And uh, so, yeah, that was the, the main revengeful. Um, I think it came across pretty well. I'm really happy with that record. And yeah, I think we pretty much played every song off that record live at some point, except maybe one, one or two, maybe. But they're all like geared to be played live. Oh, yeah. And then going into this new one, uh, we decided not to do recorded tape just because it's it's really time consuming. And yeah. and it's I mean, for example, like, all right, like, we're ready to track drums and, you know, 30 minutes, we got to calibrate the tape machine. So, you know, it's start warming up and get my erection going. And then it's time, you know, ready to bust out a tune and oh the tape machine went down we gotta we gotta bake this reel and this turkey dehydrated for three hours it's like fuck wait wait what <laughs> so you have to like it's hard to find two inch tape like no companies produce it anymore so you have to use old reels of tape so we were re recording on old solar green reels that we had so you have to bake the the reels and when you bake the tape, because if, if it's just been sitting, the tape gets really brittle and could, you know, snap when it's on the tape machine I'm recording. So you have to, um, you buy this like these turkey, I'm sorry, jerky dehydrators from Walmart and it fits the, the reel of tape perfectly. And you set it in there in a specific way, set it to a certain temperature for a certain amount of time. And it like reinvigorates the material of the of the tape. <laughs> this is fucking mind blowing. Yeah, like, that's the craziest shit I've ever heard. This is you the see, best thing I've ever said on this podcast, probably. You see what I mean? Like when I say pain in the fucking ass, it's a pain in the ass. Yeah. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, when that was all that was available, of course you're gonna have to do that. But now it's just like we just want to go in the studio and do it all. Just. You know, I mean, yeah. at the end of the day, it's like the, the tones and sounds you're getting aren't that. I mean, nobody would notice if it wasn't recorded in a tape. So Definitely. we just wanted to go in and just record Pro Tools and do that just for the ease factor and maximize the time in the studio <laughs> that we had. So we're not just because I guess, yeah, you're just kind of throwing out money when you're wasting that much time in the studio fucking with tape and tape yeah. dehydrating tape and a fucking jerky <laughs> maker dude that's crazy i respect that though man <laughs> you yeah that's part of that record sound cooler to me knowing that that's what happened yeah the last two um vengeful and then constricting were okay to tape constricting uh, were awesome yeah so i mean and the constricting we did it with rutan and we did it on um, the tape machine rutan has was the 
old 24 track from Laura Sound. So whoa, that's so that was all the old death, carcass, napalm death, just all the classic shit was recorded. Morbid Angel was on that tape machine. So yeah, I'm just I'm happy to say he is like kind of a a younger dude, a younger musician in this style of music that it was kind of like a rite of passage thing. It's like, all right, I did it. You know, I recorded two records to tape. Like I did, I went through the process that all my idols from back in the day did, yeah. you know, which is cool. I think it's great. Cool. Right. By the elder gods. Yeah. Yeah. So, and speak, so classic shit, you know, you, you mentioned a couple of bands a second ago and then, um, sort of looking at, at, at Goat Horse style and your drumming style, there's a lot of influences that are very clearly on the surface there. What newer stuff are you listening to lately? Like, what's some more recent shit that's come out that you've been really into? Um, let's see. Well, uh, Vitriol, I guess. You might have turned me on to them, actually. Dude, I Possibly. fucking love, I love Vitriol so much. Yeah, their record was my, that was my favorite record of 2019. That fucking... That yeah, band slays, great, man. dude. That shit's awesome. I'm trying to think what else. Um, it's kind of hard. Like, you know, when you're on the spot, you can't think of. Yeah, I know. I hate to do that to you too. Uh, I'm gonna look through like my recent Spotify cool. stuff. See what I got on here. We should start making that a feature on here. Be like, take a screenshot of your Spotify list yeah. or whatever. And yeah, man, we can add it to the Death Comes Lifting playlist when we, when we update yeah. it. That'd be sick. It's not all metal here, man. I got a bunch of LA guns. Like Good. Rat and Dokken. Hey, <laughs> hey yeah, Dokken is fucking metal, brother. Yeah, fuck yeah. In, in the meantime, do you? What is your favorite Motorhead record? Just out of curiosity. Fuck. Man, it's it, I go in phases, but I, I'd say right now probably Bastards. Okay. I love Bastards. Yeah, everyone's so. I mean, it's so the same. It's so Motorhead, but they're all so different, so special in their own way. So I totally get that. Seems like, like Bastards was like the turning point of of when I'm not a turning point, but it was like the best, one of the best like turning point records for them from coming to like, from like the old motorhead sound to the slightly better production, Mickey D's first record with them. And then going on to what people know as modern motorhead. Yeah. Ba Bastards is good. I, I kind of like their eighties albums too. Like, oh yeah. I like all of them. Yeah. Bomb, Bomber especially is a great one for me too. They're Rock awesome. and Roll is a pretty underrated one too. Definitely. It's got some really good songs on it. How many Motorhead records are there? A lot. Studio like, records? Fuck. Like 30 studios, aren't there? Something, maybe like 20 something. There's a good yeah. bit. A lot of live and live records and compilations, yeah. But and they all kick ass pretty much. Yeah. Even the ones in the 90s, like Snakebite Love and Sacrifice and shit, there's some bad on there. They're right? all good, man. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, 1916 is one of my favorite too. Like, uh, I'm so bad, baby, I don't care. And you know, Brazil, Ramones. Yeah, 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 dude. Fuck yeah, killer shit. I, I like Goathead more, a Goathead, Motorhead more, knowing that <laughs> you know it was influenced. You're influenced by them into Goathead. Oh yeah, dude. You know, that's just one of the bands that we we all can agree on. You know, it's yeah. I don't know. It's. Well. It, they encompass so much territory for music. Speaking of which, yeah, I mean, we're we we're kind of we're winding down the, the yeah. podcast here, and I, I'm not sure if you know that this is coming or not. But we have a really big question that we ask everybody before we end. Okay. Very important, right? I think I think more important than the Motorhead question. It, All right, it was. A are, you, are you prepared? I'm prepared. He's ready. Yeah. He's ready. Zach, right. got it. So Zach, we got to ask you, what is your favorite Black Sabbath record? Oh, that is my favorite band. Get this little Fuck guy when yes. I was fifteen years old. Um, awesome, dude. Thank you for being you. We appreciate it. All right, favorite Sabbath record. It's going to be an Aussie Sabbath record. Yes. There. Yes. Same here. I'm gonna have to go sabotage. Thank you. Holy shit! Thank you. Me too, man. Me too. That is. That is. That's so that's that's record. your favorite record. That's my Zach's favorite record. That's um, Rob Barrett's favorite. Um, 
Black Sabbath yeah. record. Who else has said that recently? We've had like a fucking Carl fucking Sanders, dude. Carl Sanders from Nile. That's his favorite one. Sabotage, yeah. man. Um, What's yours? Me? Yeah. Mass probably master. If I had to okay. go with master, yeah. master I mean, reality. I, that's like, such a that's a tough question. So yeah, there's no wrong answer. No, no, there's no wrong answer. It's uh, and it's always fun to to talk to people who go with non Aussie shit. Um, yeah, we yeah. are we are big big Tony Martin era Dude. Sabbath fans on this. Headless Cross, man, fuck yeah. Headless Cross, fucking rips. Dude, yes. Always got the tape. Never Odd too stuff. far away. Odd stuff. Um, nice. But sabotage, sabotage is like such a such a like schizophrenic record because there's some really heavy shit on there and then there's really some like like. Um, Super Czar, man. That Super Czar is Don Brock. Yep. Yeah, it, it's 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 very it's a very different. And you know, Sabbath is on. I, I guess Sabbath in perpetuity at this point is going to be on the the uh, reissue train since they they got to keep the machine rolling, right? Yeah, yeah. But and because I'm a fucking sucker, I'm going to buy all that shit. Same. But they. They recently announced a a deluxe box set reissue of uh, Sabotage, and I am looking forward to hearing what that new shit sounds like. I'm not sure who they got to do the the remaster on this one, but like they just released a volume four one a few months ago, and um, oh fuck, what's his name? The dude Stephen Wilson from Porcupine Tree did the, okay. the remaster on that shit. It sounded I, fucking amazing. I think a couple weeks ago on. Uh, they released uh, the remixed, remastered uh, "Symptom of the Universe" off the Sabotage reissue. Yeah, yeah. At, on Spotify, but yeah, yeah the, the remastered stuff up for Volume Four sound sounds killer, man. I I need to pick up that box set. Oh, it's huge, man! You'll love it. Yeah, there's all it's, kinds of extra extra gems in there. Cool, especially yeah. Sabotage, man. Like hearing the remastered of that and just knowing a little bit more about the production the iomi was doing so much shit production wise on that like that's what i think is most fascinating about that yeah, record. yeah. so much every time you listen to it you can pick up like different shit that's going on totally yeah, yeah you, can, you can almost see him like <clears throat> everybody else has gone to sleep or, or something and he's just still in there probably yeah um it's all coke. Jack jazzed out on something and just doing yeah. cocaine. Let's do another track with this and this and this. I, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. You can't write Pretty megalomania awesome. sober. It doesn't happen. Uh, yeah, no way. <laughs> well, well, dude, it's been great, wait. man. You're thank you so much, dude. Dude, thank you guys, man. Great, great chat with you guys, man. Awesome. We have enjoyed having you. We are absolutely looking forward to hearing new goat whore next year. Super stoked that you guys are gonna get back on the road time soon and uh we wish you the best dude hope to have you on again likewise thanks for having me guys all right take man. care my dude cheers cheers brother you know what 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 a good dude yeah, i was gonna say that he didn't change the the trend man he's a good fucking dude a fellow sabotage lover a fellow motorhead fan the drummer of goat whore Hanging out, talking about Satanism in New Orleans and raising hell. Okay, cool, dude. Like, that's one of the... I did not know that he was that young when he joined that band, dude. That's fucking crazy. Yeah, I wish we got... I should have asked him more about that. I, would, I wonder what that... How What went down? How does a goat whore get a 17-year-old drummer? You know, like, what happened there? I bet that was fucking crazy for him. Yeah, I'm, it, dude, it had to be crazy. Like, those guys, Did you, you know... When you come into a band like Goat Whore at that point, you're dealing with motherfuckers who, Soylent Green, who've been in Crowbar, who've been in Acid Bath. Like those those guys were legends back then. Yeah. Um, you're going to move to New Orleans when you're 17 and start drumming for fucking Goat Whore. That's insane, dude. That is, dude. That's wild. Maybe if we can get him on here again, we can get uh, get some more stories about that shit. But at the same time, like he's, he's risen to the occasion, man. His drums yeah. are very much part of that sound. And that guy has influenced a shitload of people. I didn't know that he went to high school with Jan. I knew that they knew each other, but I didn't know how. Yeah. Um, so now I'm going to have to, now we're going to get him to harass Jan so that Jan will come on in a fucking decent hour. Definitely. And uh, Shout out to Uncle Greg for putting me in contact with him. Because Uncle, Greg, Uncle Greg, you're the, you're the fucking man, Uncle Greg. Yeah. I don't know you, but I appreciate you. Thank you, homie. You know, yeah, he was like, Cause he's like a dad character, you know, he asked me, he's like, Oh, so you like heavy metal, huh? And I'm like, I thought we were going to talk about Van Halen or Iron Maiden or something. Some dad knows like, you know, goat whore. 
I'm like, fuck <laughs> yeah, bro. <laughs> Uncle Greg's on his shit. That's yeah. awesome, man. Yeah, he's like, I know the drummer. I'm like, let's go. That's so, yes. so cool. Well, thank him for me. I, I did. We did. He'll, he'll listen. He's the man. Excellent. Excellent. That was great, dude. Thank you. Thank you. We will do it again soon. Absolutely. Real soon. Have yourself a good one, homie. You too, man. Love you. Love you too. Peace out.